All right, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us on another AMA. Today, we're going to be covering part three of our tokenomics and probably many things outside of part three because that's usually how these AMAs go. Questions just go in everywhere in the tokenomics or back to our flares. Let's see where it takes us this time. So I'm going to get right into the questions. If you have any questions, you can go to our Discord and type them in the AMA questions channel. All right, so let's get started. Uh, we have 0x0x0x, who is um, one of the chads in our Discord. Uh, he has gone and found a bunch of questions that have been asked in the recent past um, regarding part three. So thanks for doing that. So five of them, I'll answer them one by one. First one. Is the process for VE Lefinity holders accepting bribes handled manually or automatically? Um, accepting bribes, right. So ultimately it will be automatic. So the way we're envisioning this working is at first we have to build out the infrastructure where uh, that enables protocols to bribe and then also for users to um, delegate their votes. So um, protocols will be able, so there'll be a, a voting program and protocols will be able to send their assets to that voting program as bribes. And then the users can look at the bribes and be like, okay, I want to vote. I like that token. So I want to vote for what they're asking me to vote for. And they vote for it. And then as compensation, they get those tokens. Um, and then, so that's like step one, kind of. And then the step after that is where we create um, a program on top of the voting program that um, optimizes your votes for you. So this is for people who don't really care which tokens they get as rewards. They just want to maximize the dollar amount of all the tokens that they get. And that will often mean um, voting proportionally um, according to how much bribes there are. So for example, if 80% of the bribes comes from protocol A and 20% of the bribes comes from protocol B, then the optimal thing to do is to vote 80% um, of your vote into protocol A's pool and then vote for with 20% of your voting power for protocol B's pool. Um, so yeah, we want to create a program that will automatically do that for you. If you're familiar with Curve and Convex on Ethereum, there's a protocol called Vodium that does this optimizing for you. So basically something similar to that. All right, next question. Will bribing be available right from the start or implemented later? Yeah, so this would be great if we could implement it from the start, but there's already so much we need to build. Like even before the IDO, we're building out the entire uh, VE Lifinity infrastructure. And uh, so yeah, we can't build everything before the IDO. So, and this is one of those things that will come later. Um, yeah, the pools and like being able to deposit assets from the IDO as protocol owned liquidity like that's definitely more important than bribing um, because bribing will take some time to pick up, right? 
protocols will need to take notice of what we're doing, um, understand why it's beneficial for them to bribe, and then bribes will gradually increase with time as protocols get more competitive with each other. Um, this is basically what happened with curve and convex. Like initially, you know, uh, protocols were bribing small amounts because actually you only needed small amounts to get the majority of people to vote for you. But then when other protocols start joining in and they start um, bribing with more than you bribed with, now they're getting the majority of votes. So then you're like, okay, maybe I guess we need to increase our bribes so we can uh, get more of the uh, emissions again type of thing. And that kind of escalates until it reaches some kind of equilibrium. So yeah, it'll take time for bribing to pick up the pace. Um, so it's not like crucial to have from the very start. Like we still need to like prove certain aspects of our protocol. Like we've done very well with um, our two pools implemented so far. But yeah, we need to scale to a lot more pools, open up for deposits, um, have all the mechanisms related to VE Lafinity in place, um, all these things. So yeah, those things need to take precedence. All right, next question. Is the process for VE Lafinity holders accepting bribes handled manually or automatically? Um, I think I kind of answered this. So I think, so in my mind, um, this is how I envision it working. Um, I'm not building it, so like I may be wrong. But so like once we have that program that optimizes your votes for you, then you can basically just delegate your vote once to this program. And then it'll keep uh, voting for you whenever there's a vote um, until you stop it you stop delegating your vote. So it's just like a one and done thing. Um, so it should be like fully automatic, I think. But before we create that optimizing program, there should be a period where it is manually, where you have to do the vote yourself each voting period. And then continuing with the question, it almost seems like they don't grasp the importance of having, having permanent liquidity source for their tokens. Um, I guess that part was probably taken out of context, um, wherever that question was taken from. So I'm just going to skip that. Oh, okay. Uh, 0x, 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 uh, said they messed up and here's the full question. Have you spoken to any Solana protocols about the bribing mechanism Lifinity will be using? It almost seems like they don't grasp the importance of having a permanent liquidity source for their tokens. Um, so we haven't spoken to any protocols yet. Um, yeah, I guess the thing is like most protocol devs are probably quite busy. So I doubt like many are paying attention to us. <laughs> That's just a guess. But, and I mean, it's not even live. So yeah, not really. Um, and yeah, I mean, to be honest, like not worried about it because um, like uh, when it when it does go live, um, I think they will be made 
to know about it. Like, <laughs> I think there will be no ignoring it. Um, especially if like they're doing other types of um, incentivization. Like for example, if they're doing protocol owned liquidity through um, other services, um, if their users are aware of us, they'll probably ask their protocol, have you considered using Lifinity because that's actually cheaper and uh, like in the end creates less sell pressure, for example. So yeah, that, yeah. So I think when the time comes, uh, they will know, but yeah, now's not that time, <laughs> at least for most devs probably. All right, number four, how much in revenue can we expect from delegating votes through bribing? What are the percent numbers behind it? So this is totally impossible to predict. So it's dependent on a few things. One is the price of the LFNTY tokens um, because like those are the emissions, right? Those are like, uh, you can buy that as VE Lfinity um, with LP tokens. So the more, the higher the value of the Lfinity tokens, that means the more LP tokens we're able to acquire. And if we're able to acquire more liquidity, that means it's it's more, um, it's better from the perspective of, of other protocols because they get more bang for their buck. Um, so that's one factor. And the other like main one is like the each protocol's difference, different needs and their perspective on protocol own liquidity. Um, because there is like a sort of trade-off where if you do um, protocol own liquidity um, or like a pseudo <laughs> pseudo protocol own liquidity through us where they they secure liquidity for their protocol but they don't own it the way they would with other protocols like uh, the thing is it's cheaper with us so that's the advantage but um, they don't own the liquidity and even though we're just going to leave the liquidity on our platform um, and generate trading fees with it, um, like no intention of like rugging them, like acquiring the liquidity and then like selling their tokens or anything like that. Um, obviously, because they're not in control, like some protocols are going to be worried about that. Like, and they may consider like actually owning the liquidity to be like of paramount importance. And so for them, like Lifinity might not be a good fit. And for other protocols, they're like, well, if it's cheaper, hell yeah, let's go with that. So I think, so yeah, it'll depend on um, that, how how palatable people find our mechanism to be. And like, I have no way of predicting that. Um, so if you want like a an idea of what the numbers could be like, the only thing I can really suggest is to look at um, the numbers behind Curve and Convex, like how much did they get from bribes? And uh, actually, I'm not sure. I know that I've seen like something like 60% APR for Convex, but I'm not sure if that's just for bribing. It might include other like staking rewards or something. But I do know like protocols are bribing with millions in their tokens like mil millions of dollars worth of their tokens each week, which is like an insane amount. <laughs> so I think it's definitely possible that 
the the revenue from bribing is substantial but yeah there's really no way to know it beforehand so yeah and take a sip <clears throat> okay next question uh last one from triple zero x what currency coin token will other protocols pay us in for bribes and are we actually receiving these tokens or is it more to do with re receiving it in ve lifinity okay so the protocols can bribe with whatever they want um they can use usdc soul their native token um i assume that pretty much every protocol is going to use their native token because that's the asset that like every protocol has a ton of right um they have like huge treasuries <laughs> of their own token um so i think they will definitely use that rather than like usdc or soul or whatever um and yes so you re you, you receive those tokens directly not as ve lifinity or anything like that so yeah you receive the tokens and you can do whatever you want with them all right next question we have MU Luzern asks, seeing the difference in, excuse me, I have to burp. All right. Asks, uh, seeing the difference in performance between soul and MSOL pools because of difference in Oracle, aren't the pools somewhat limited on pairs with high liquidity? Um, all right, so I think MU is referring to um, our most recent Medium article, where we pointed out that our MSOL USDC pool did not perform as well as our SOL USDC pool. And the reason for this was because um, on centralized exchanges, where we get our price feed from, mainly, uh, through PIF, uh, there's much less trading volume for MSOL than there is for SOL. So the price of MSOL on the PIF price feed updates much less frequently than Sol. And this is disadvantageous for us because um, basically it just means we have much less information to make intelligent trades on. So it makes us closer to a constant product pool um, on Solana, on a DEX. Um, and as you know, constant product AMMs uh, have a ton of impermanent loss. They don't have the mechanism to avoid impermanent loss like we do. So, yeah, this is not ideal because then we're, I mean, we're not quite, yeah, we're definitely not at the level of um, a constant product AMM with the MSOL pool because as we mentioned in the article, we still had a market making profit, which means we bought low and sold high which is impossible for um, constant product AMMs to do. So like we still have some benefits. It was just like much less than the sole USDC pool was able to do. They had a market making profit of like 60%, whereas MSOL had like 5%. So um, let's see. So yeah, just to give that background and then your question aren't the pools somewhat limited on pairs with high liquidity so i'm not sure why um this would make you think that because like the sole usdc pool is the pool i mean yeah is the pool with the highest liquidity 
the most trading volume. And like we have phenomenal yield on it. We had a total of approximately 120% APR in the first two weeks since launching on Jupiter, which is like insane. Um, and yeah, just to mention one more thing from the article, the devs basically figured out a way that um, they can trade the MSOL USDC pool um, based on the Oracle price of SOL because the price of MSOL um, is basically uh, pseudo pegged to SOL. It's like pegged to SOL plus the, um, the staking rewards um, of SOL. So yeah, we can basically trade based on that. Um, and then we can have the all the the price update information that the Sol USDC price feed has. So yeah, basically can do the intelligent trades. Okay, so MU says because of the Pith Oracle with low liquidity, you have little information. Um, right. So wait, so low liquidity, little information, not good. In your question, you said, aren't the pools somewhat limited on pairs? Oh, you mean like, aren't we limited to pairs with high liquidity? Um, so I think it's all relative to DEXs. Like, um, so let's see. What is a low liquidity pair with a pith oracle price feed? <laughs> uh, I need to look at the what price feeds pith has again. Um, but yeah, like it's kind of like it goes hand in hand. So like pith doesn't have price feeds for assets that aren't on centralized exchanges. So. And if it is on centralized exchanges, then it probably has decent trading volume. Um, and like, so like usually the, the volume on centralized exchanges is much more than on decentralized exchanges. So yeah, I guess it's how how well does that relationship hold? I think it's generally true. Um, I think MSOL is more of an anomaly. I mean, yeah, it's kind of, I, I was, I didn't even know like MSOL was on centralized exchanges until we like added the pool. Um, <laughs> like, uh, because it's like, it's a very DeFi native thing. So it kind of struck me as strange that it's on centralized exchanges. Like it seems like everyone would rather trade SOL than MSOL. Just cause like, I mean, most people don't even know what MSOL is, right? <laughs> um, anyhow, yeah. So liquidity is defi definitely a factor in like how profitable we would be able to be, or rather actually not even liquidity. It's like, it's the volume. The volume is the main thing, but of course liquidity correlates with volume. So. Anyhow, um, yeah, I mean, there is some kind of lower bound where, like, 
some pool is like not worth trading because like the trading on centralized exchanges and decentralized exchanges is like essentially the same. Like, so that's the case when, yeah, we have no advantage because the, because the Oracle isn't telling us anything more than it is than constant product pools are telling us. So that's when we would not have the advantage. Um, but I think that's pretty rarely the case. All right. Um, where are we at? Okay. Marco asks, will fees be directed to LP tokens, BE Lefinity, or both? That is, if I only provide liquidity and don't own any VE Lefinity, will I be getting some percent of fees generated? Uh, yes. So fees will be in LP tokens. So basically it's like um, self-compounding in a sense. Like, I mean, so in your wallet, you have a fixed number of LP tokens, right? And that number won't change. Um, what does change is the amount of assets that those LP tokens can lay claim to. So for example, say you have one LP token um, after depositing one soul in $100, and then a month later, you withdraw it and you have 1.1 soul and $110. So basically, yeah, it, you can claim more assets later because the size of the pool or the assets in the pool has increased. Um, yeah, and that's regardless of whether you own BE Lifinity or not. All right, continuing with the question, or are 100% of fees going to LPs? Uh, and since Lifinity owns a lot of LP, all the protocol-owned liquidity-generated fees pass through to VE Lifinity holders. Yeah, so part four, which is going to be our next article on our tokenomics, um, we're going to go into all the juicy details of like how we split the the revenue generated between LPs and the protocol, and then how the protocol uses the revenue that it generates. Um, how it basically how it gives it to VE Lifinity holders in one way or another. Um, TLDR is that um, we have a target liquidity for each pool because we don't want too much liquidity. We only want liquidity to the point where um, the trading fees earned per LP token is maximized. So that's like the, the, the liquidity we're aiming to get to. And as we approach that target liquidity, the percent of fees that LPs receive decreases. So it's a dynamically adjusting fee based on how much liquidity we have and how close we are to the target liquidity. Um, yeah. And then for protocol-owned liquidity, of course, that always earns 100% of the fees it generates because it's owned by the protocol. So that, yeah, that stays static. But yeah, we'll get into more details on the uh, next article. All right, another question. Also, if I manually vote, would I only be getting fees and bribes from the gauge I voted on? Um, fees and bribes. So if you vote, you're not getting any fees. Fees, if you're talking about like trading fees, 
that's a liquidity provider thing. So voting will only get you bribes. And we only be getting bribes from the gauge you voted on. Yes. Um, yeah. But note that you can vote for multiple gauges if you want. Um, that's what the, uh, the the optimizing program will enable you to do. It'll automatically split your vote so that it maximizes the amount of bribes you get. Uh, continuing with the question, or since Lifinity owns different LPs in the treasury, all LP fees pass to VE Lifinity, and just the bribes for the gauges you voted for are passed to you. Um, so, yeah, it sounds like you're you think the the like being a liquidity provider and the bribing are like somehow connected, which they're not really. So, as a VE Lifinity holder, there's like two sources of passive income. One is the bribes after voting for the bribers pools. And the other is the revenue jaded, generated by the protocol-owned liquidity and also the protocol fees that we get from LPs, the liquidity they provide. Um, and those two are totally separate, but you get both. Yeah. Thanks for all the amazing answers to my questions and these AMAs, so helpful. I'm glad they are. All right. Uh, Let's see, where am I? Okay. Madan asks, how many Solana tokens does Pith currently quote prices for? Um, How many was it? Maybe I should see if I can find it real quick. Hmm. Let's see, markets, here we go. Pith.network slash markets. Um, uh, let's see, it doesn't show how many, but just to give you a taste, it seems pretty varied. <laughs> like uh, it's not really Solana focused, I think the tokens. So we have ADA, ALGO, ATOM, uh, AUD, but the Australian dollar, AVAX, Bitcoin Cash, BNB, Bitcoin, Cope, Doge, Dot, ETH, Euro, Theta, FTT, Great British Pound, HXRO, Jet, Jet, uh, Luna, Matic, Curial, Mango. So I think you get the idea. So approximately, what is that? Like, I don't know, 50 to 100, something like that. It looks like <laughs> the wild guess. But yeah, I guess it's, I guess the, it's mainly Solana tokens, because I mean, it's Solana native, but it also has like all the major tokens from other protocols. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, and uh, follow-up question. For other L1 tokens that are wrapped, PIF prices could be different uh, from AMM prices because of the cost involved in bridging, etc. Um, L1 tokens, PIF prices could be different from AMM prices because of the cost involved in bridging. How will you adjust for this? For example, Solet ETH or Wormhole ETH. Um, 
Is that true? I, I've never looked into that. Like, is the price substantially different between like wormhole ETH and, um, I don't know, like ETH DAI on Ethereum, for example? Um, I feel like it's not. <laughs> I'm not sure, but uh, I feel like that's not the case. Like, so you're saying there's like a perpetual discount on these wrapped tokens or something, right? Like, I don't see why the cost of bridging would affect the price of the asset. Um, yeah. I mean, the, also, like, the cost of bridging is, like, very minimal from my understanding. So for that reason also, but... Um, they say the PIF average price taken from centralized exchanges are for native tokens. Yes, that is true. Yeah, so like in the sense that the the um, Oracle price that we would be relying on is not for these wrapped tokens. The difference is in a range of 0.1 to 0.5%. Okay. Um... Interesting. I this is first time this is my first time hearing this. We also haven't done any um actual uh pools with wrapped assets yet. But I will keep this in mind. I imagine Luffy would have a better answer on this cuz the devs are always looking at market data and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm surprised there's such a difference though. Cause like, can't you just, um, arbitrage that? So like, say there's a 0.5% discount on wormhole ETH. What you can do is, um, buy wormhole ETH, then transfer it to Ethereum. Um, then what do you do? you put it on a centralized exchange, I guess. Uh, somewhere, you exchange it for USDC, put it back on Solana, then buy uh, Wormhole ETH. And then, yeah, there's there's an arbitrage. Seems like you could be able to do that. Because, like, what were the costs in that trade? Um, the bridging, which is very small the exchange from wormhole ETH to USDC, which is, um, I mean, definitely less than 0.5%. <laughs> um, so again, like relatively small. And then like exchange transfer fees, which is also small. So, I mean, yeah, even like the 0.1%, like, it seems like you could easily arbitrage that. Uh, they say you have to do everything on chain plus gas and the times it takes to execute. So there is slippage. I mean, but you don't have to do everything on chain. Like I said, you just send it to a centralized exchange. So like the Ethereum part is the expensive part in terms of gas, right? But all you need to do on Ethereum is you're sending the wormhole ETH there and then you withdraw the ETH I've never done that, so I don't know how much that is. I've sent from Ethereum 
to Solana. So I imagine it's like about the same. And it wasn't that expensive. It was just like a standard transaction fee. It's not like a super complex um, smart contract or yeah, transaction. So it's not gonna be like, you know, hundreds of dollars even. Um, and then the, the trading from the Ethereum to the USDC, you can do that on a centralized exchange. So you can totally bypass the fee and probably get better liquidity too. So yeah, I mean, all like doing all of that, surely it's less than 0.1%. I mean, surely less than 0.5%. Um, yeah, so yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too much of a doubter. I'm like a, I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I haven't even looked at the data, so I could be like, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. That's my gut feeling about that. Um, anyways, that's, that's interesting. So thanks for pointing that out. Um, I will definitely ask Luffy about this afterwards. All right. Uh, I guess we've reached the end of the questions for now. Um, somebody is typing, but... Uh, if someone on Twitter Spaces would like to ask a question, they can raise their hand and uh, I will bring you on stage at the first opportunity. <clears throat> um, I guess while I'm waiting, Um, well, I was going to say, maybe I will talk about market making profit, <coughs> but I'll hold it off because we just got a question. All right. Triple zero X asks, do you think there will be demand for, from non Solana tokens to use Lifinity given that Pith provides a price feed for it? Uh, yeah, it's possible. Like in the sense that like there've been a few, for example, Ethereum tokens that, have gained like some traction on Solana. Um, although like it's mainly been due to liquidity mining. <laughs> like uh, what were they? Like one was Uniswap and another one, well, Chainlink's been here for a while. So there's that and there's another one, but um, Uniswap, the Uni token, and then like another token like came in around the same time. And it had like insane liquidity mining rewards, like hundreds of percents of APY. So they those gained traction at least for a while. I don't know where they are now. Probably the liquidity mining rewards just died out. <laughs> so does the liquidity, I assume. But yeah, I'm not sure. Like, because for us, like volume is a big factor in whether we want to um, add a pool and start acquiring liquidity for it. Um, and like, there's probably not that much demand to trade these Ethereum, for example, Ethereum tokens on Solana, right? Um, like, part of it is that you can't use the tokens. Like, a lot of them are for governance, but you can't govern, you can't use them for governance on Solana. And also just like the Solana crowd is, you know, generally not interested 
in uh, Ethereum ecosystem tokens or other protocols um, like AVAX or Avalanche rather, Phantom, Terra, like, yeah. Like various um, ecosystems seem to try to like motivate the usage of their tokens on Solana. Like the main one is uh, Terra, right? Like they're really trying to get UST adopted on Solana, it seems like. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of skeptical because it just seems like people are chasing after yields, right? And as soon as the yield disappears, so does the usage. Seems like there's no like organic usage of UST. Like, is is there a reason people want to hold UST beyond um, using it to uh, generate yield? None that I've seen. Like you're not using it for payments, whether that's in like the real world or in apps. Um, are people using it to like store their wealth in? Um, I guess you can't, that's, that's hard to gauge. <laughs> but people seem happy with USDC, so yeah, I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say. I guess it also depends on like the cross chain tech and how that evolves. Like right now it's not ideal. I think it can be improved in a lot of ways. Like having a shit ton of bridges isn't like awesome. <laughs> um there's there it seems like there has to be a better way. Also like all these wrapped tokens, that's probably not the end game. Like ideally what you can do is I, I like sell Solana on Solana on some decks. And then in the same transaction, I get, um, Ethereum on, on Ethereum, the chain, like, uh, that would be like the native, native to native swap kind of, rather than having to swap Solana to a wrapped version of Ethereum on Solana. Um, yeah, so it's probably dependent on like how the cross-chain tech evolves. I have no strong opinions on that. Yeah, so yeah, I hope that's a satisfactory answer. <laughs> Full of vagaries. Uh, let's see, has anyone on Twitter raised their hand? No, they haven't. All right, let's see. We're out of questions. Last time we were out of questions around this time, and then we went for another hour and 20 minutes after I waited a while. <laughs> Never know what happens. I guess I'll just give it a few more minutes, and if there's no questions, I will peace out. But if there are, I'm always happy to answer more. <laughs> oh nice we have <clears throat> a request to speak um welcome to the stage fired 
you were here last week, or actually like four days ago too. Um, how's it going? Oh wait, give me a second. Um, my earphones were on, I just realized. Um, all right, try, try talking. Hey, bro. Hey, man. Hey, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. No worries, man, that's all good. <laughs> I gave you beer, bro. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, bro? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Cool, man. Uh, I was just going to watch your uh, video for Tokuna Comics Part 3, and then I just saw your post for the, just the Twitter space, maybe, you know. I can ask directly to you. If you want. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah. And uh, I was just saying, like, you guys, like, saying the, on the video, just uh, in the beginning, was saying, like, whoever, like, is taking longer, they're gonna get more, it's going to be more beneficial. So, what's, what's exactly gonna be happening? Can you please describe that? The, uh, uh, let's see, are you talking about the locking mechanism? No, you, you guys said like um, on the video, like Liffy is talking going to be staked and then whoever the stake longer, they, it's going to be more beneficial for them. Um, uh, so I think you are talking about the locking, right? Is it the locking? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, so um, this might be a, a more of a part two thing so like yeah the, the longer you lock your lefinity tokens the more ve lefinity you get and the ve lefinity is what gives you access to voting power which which uh in turn gives you access to bribes and a ve lefinity also gives you access to um the protocol revenue uh more details on that in part four which is next but yeah, I'm not sure if that answered your question, but yeah, that's how that's the basics of how the VE Lefinity works. So okay, the is also is the long term staking also going to be how to financial things. That's my understand. Yeah. So so the thing is, um, normally people just have tokens in their wallet, and you don't know. Like how long they intend to hold those tokens. So as a protocol, when you think about how can I reward my users, um, you're you're missing that variable of like, okay, how committed is this user? And what the locking um, enables you to do is it it enables users to express how commit committed they are by locking their tokens. And so by locking longer they will get more rewards. And so this is a great way to align incentives between the token holders and the protocol. Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense, bro. Also, is there any relation between the uh, token staking and then uh, NFT staking? Uh, token staking and the flare staking? Focus staking on NFT staking. Oh, NFT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So not really. Um, when you stake your flares, so like in our original flare articles, we promised 
player holders would get 1% of the Lifinity token supply. And so that's what the staking is giving them. When you stake your flares, um, over the course of one year, we're going to be distributing that 1% of the supply to the flare holders. Um, and then separate from that, users can lock their Lifinity for VE Lifinity. And, uh, I got you. So first of all, to get the Lifinity, we have to stake our NFTs. That's yeah, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, then... Uh... Then once we, we once we got the Lefinity token, so then we can stake the Lefinity token. So is going to be you guys going to do that any like uh, idea to sell the Lefinity token, or all of them going to be just uh, for the NFT stakers? Yeah, so we will have an idea. Um, we're going to talk more about that in part six of our tokenomics series. Um, the idea will be end of March or beginning of April. And um, yeah, so most of the tokens will be distributed through the IDEO, um, rather not so not through the NFTs. What's the percentage for like 10%, 20%? Yeah, so... And, and uh, is, there, is, there any, is there any beneficial for whoever the luck holding the NFTs or like staking the NFTs to get the IDO allocation? Um, so the IDO will be fair in the sense that we're not going to privilege anyone. So anyone can participate freely. Um, let's see, what else did you ask? Yeah, so percent, percent we haven't named yet. It'll be in part six of the article, so stay tuned. I would say it's definitely not a unfavorable percentage. Um, and uh, I forgot, you may, you may have asked something else, I forgot. So I also asked like, for NFT holders or NFT stakers can have a like, uh, ideal location. Right, so we're not going to do that. And the reason we don't want to is, like, this is a, a general thing, but usually when you set aside a certain group of people as privileged, it heavily disincentivizes the other people from participating. And we would not want that for our idea. Um, because there's definitely lots of people who found out about Lifinity after our NFT project launched. And... Like a lot of people may like our protocol, but are like not interested in the NFTs. And so we don't want to alienate that crowd for our idea. Um, so, I mean, yeah, this applies to like other things. Like some people have suggested, can you make it so that the NFT holders can have like zero trading fees on Lifinity, for example. And that would also be a very detrimental to our protocol because basically then you just have whales buying the uh flares so like i mean definitely good for flares price but then um bad for the protocol because your biggest customers which are the whales get to trade with zero percent trading fees yeah no 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 man that's i'm on with you bro that's <laughs> no make sense yeah i just uh you know so right now i'm holding the like with the nfts flares and I uh, so because your token economics is not 
very clear at the moment and you know we can't we can't exactly say something and uh, if you can't see the future what's going to happen and you know it's kind of it's not very easy to invest in any project yeah so yeah, I, would yeah. Like to, like, get, get, I would like to get more info but as you said like if this comes in the parts so i don't know how it's going to work but yeah, I mean, the important thing is that you get all the information before you actually invest in the idea, right? And you definitely will, so no worries. No, I, I, okay, I, I do it. I don't, I don't care that I do it. I, for the looking at the NFTs, you know, also. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, <laughs> like if you're trying to get Lipinity through the NFTs, then yeah, I mean, understandably, people would like more information so they can like make decisions about that. But yeah, we, we do want to like release the tokenomics in parts gradually, just so that people have time How to- How many parts do you have, bro? Six parts? Yeah, six parts. So like, what's the reason to get the like part part? Like, by the way, it is, it's, 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 it's good. You know why? Like, the, as you know, the, like the blockchain industry, like it's very easy to steal people ideas and anything you know so if you come like step by step that's that's also good you know to cover your cover your idea and people don't know what's gonna happen so i like that but uh, on the other hand like whoever the like invest whoever wants to invest like it's like they are you know kind of like hesitating to invest you know because they don't know what's gonna happen so both waving and Lost. <laughs> yeah um yeah it was just like uh our tokenomics is pretty dense so if we had like re released it in like a single article i don't think you know very few people would have read it but we think it's like totally awesome it has a lot of innovation so we really really wanted people to um, actually understand what we're trying to do and so like these amas are part of that effort yeah, yeah, that's, I understand. So, and also that's, you know, it's good for um, the step-by-step -step to understand, uh, to try to explain to people because, yeah, it's more understandable. And then also, uh, also it shows like this is not easy stuff, yeah? And then uh, you guys working on this. You, are, you guys are doing something. If it's easy, it's just, you know, one paper and then just that's it done. But if you are to, trying to do something difficult or like different than others so it's just just very normal to take this time bro i'm not complaining that that's okay i just i just you know i just wanted to know <laughs> the kind of exciting because the the this project i reckon i feel that's very under like uh, this why so like i just wanted to get a little bit more info to be confident to invest in the nft so that's all yeah <laughs> yeah i understand uh, a lot of people have been asking um and like yeah it's <laughs> i know like the entirety of our tokenomics it's like always brings up questions about future parts so like that's kind of i don't know good and bad it like makes people excited but also um always questions that i can't immediately answer so the the questions for the IDO, you guys like have any partner like such as Radium or like Solanium for future, or you guys didn't decide yet? 
Um, so we're going to do a unique type of IDO. We're calling it the VE IDO. Again, more details in part six. But yeah, because of that, we're going to need unique architecture for doing it. And so we're building that out right now. Um, so yeah, no IDO partners. No IDO. Okay, that's good. So it's going to be fair then. Um, fair. Depends what you mean by fair. But yeah, I think it'll be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Like people have their own definitions of fair, you know. And that's all good, bro. Uh, the, the last time we decided to do some ammo with Turkish community, but if you know, we're gonna do the uh, some if you're gonna ask some questions, if you're gonna say, like, ah. Uh, Next part, we're gonna explain that to. Uh, yeah, I think it's not a good idea to do that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm waiting, waiting for your call to have that uh, Turkish community. Yeah, yeah, AMA. that's really easy, man. Like right now, if I say like, oh, guys, let's do like some um, yeah, like even easy, easy five, uh, fifty people. That's really easy. But uh, I just, I just need to prepare myself to ask questions. Uh, to get like you know exact info from you and then explain what's gonna happen so is there any like you know the we are DAO so the Turkish DAO so is there any like you guys wanna do the anything for the DAO so for future I can see the many projects are working with the DAO communities different communities so as you know the like the communities are very important in blockchain so if any doesn't matter what kind of technology you have, if you don't have a community, you're nothing. So, is there any plan for that? For community building? Yeah, community like as a DAO. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, so we do have plans for what we expect our DAO to govern. Um, we also have expectations for what we, um. We don't expect our DAO to govern, and we explained that in uh, which part was that? Part five. Part five. We uh, we explain uh, our stance in this. <laughs> um, that is awesome, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, because like uh, in practice, we've seen that um, like there's a bunch of pseudo DAOs. It's like yeah, okay, technically maybe you're a DAO on the blockchain, <laughs> but in reality, your team has like the vast majority of the voting power. So it's not like a true DAO. And also like even for um, like communities that where the users do have enough voting power, like one, they don't have enough information to be able to like vote intelligently, make informed decisions. And two, like they're not interested and voting because they feel like their voting power is so small um, that it's like not worth putting the time and effort into. So, yeah, so thinking about those things, our basic stance is like we want our token holders to be involved with votes that involve money. So, like, for example, um, like voting for which pools the emissions go to, that's one because like i mean that's one direct way where they can get money through bribes another one is like how we use our treasury 
um, because that will directly affect them because um, depending on how you use it, it could create um, or it could release new tokens into the circulating supply, which has the possibility of creating sell pressure. So like those are the kinds of things where we think token holders should have a voice. And I think they'll be more strongly incentivized to participate. And they also don't need like um, expert knowledge um, for like how to use the tokens. Like they can form an opinion without having special knowledge. But for things like the protocol parameters, like what concentration should this pool have or what should be the rebalancing factor or um, what else is there? Like those kinds of things they do require expert knowledge to make good decisions. And also like people are just less interested in those things. Um, so those are the kinds of things we will have the core contributors make the decisions on. Yeah, like you're right, bro. So people don't really know what's, what's what they're gonna do. And they just wanted to, they just wanted to get money. They sold, bro. You know, they don't care like what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's happening. You know, they just want to take money out and then stop. Yeah, and I mean, so, so that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, I can't really blame them because, um, like, it's not like they're being rewarded for participating in governance, and like, it takes genuine time and effort. So, like, if they um, don't want to do that because they're not rewarded, like, hard to like be angry about that. And then last time I asked you this question, but I just want to ask twice, like, which is the, I asked you for the other pools, like for other coins. So is there any new action you guys going to take or the, like new pool or new, new coins? Yeah, we're working on that right now. So, um, there should be announcements in the near future. Suffice it to say. Um, okay. Is there is there any is there any preferences you guys going to pick any coin, any project or like just just you just going to like uh, whatever the coin has a uh, like more volume than others? Yeah. So volume is a large factor. Um, another one, I think, is I mean, like basically, what we expect the token price to do, like especially for um, token pairs where we want to acquire protocol owned liquidity for, like if we're gonna own the token, like you better hope the token does well, right? <laughs> like you don't wanna acquire a down only token. So that's another consideration. Um, and then also like, um, is the pair often used in routes? So for example, this is part of the reason why we chose MSOL is that MSOL has like tons of pools and it's it's often used in routes. Um, so for example, like if you're trading from A to B, like sometimes you'll see trade A to MSOL to B. Um, and so like you get a trade on your exchange even though like people weren't trading for MSOL. It was just like an in-between asset, but if it's like really common, then like that'll, um, yeah, that'll generate a lot of trading fees. So various factors, but yeah. I got you. So then, 
if if we want to get the different coins and that is there any like you target you guys want you guys want to reach for the like uh market total pool volume like all pool volume in infinities like let's say one billion dollars or something um i mean not really so like each individual pool like so we're going to talk about this in part four but each pool will have a target liquidity so it's like the optimal level of liquidity that maximizes the trading fees per LP token. So each pool will have that. Um, but like in terms of a total, like it would be the sum of all the pools, but like we don't know what all the pools will be and we'll like keep adding them over time. So yeah, not not really. This, my, my understanding from your speech you are, uh, is like to have a, uh, more volume in the pool, which is not very good advantage or sometimes disadvantage for the luck, getting the more fees. Sorry, can you say that again? So you, from your speech, my understanding was, uh, to have a like more volume in one pool is not very good. Oh no, it's it's fine. Um, I mean, yeah, more volume is good. Okay, so more volume is more power. I mean, just uh, this was my it was my no, so I don't know. Then you know you said anyway. Um, the is there any is there any new thing you guys like to get more fees from the pool? You guys working on it something? Is there more what? More fees like transaction fee um what do you like are we looking to increase it is that what you're saying yeah you know i'm just like last time you explained your formula how you work but so you guys like trying to do something different than what we have at the moment i mean so we want to maximize revenue and revenue is trading volume multiplied by trading fees um so there's a trade-off here you can increase your trading fees, but that's gonna decrease your volume because if it's more expensive to trade on your platform, um, you're gonna get less people trading there. So you have to find the optimal level. And right now that's 0.04%. Yeah, I got you, so. Because yeah, the last time, not recently, uh, I saw the like Radium was is the top one, is the best pool on Jupiter. So I think Radium realized something. This or not? I don't know. Uh, Radium, Radium, Radium was always known. I'm just like they were not like best swapping option, but recently they became their best one. So I think is they realized something. Uh, for Seoul USDC? Yes, Seoul USDC, I'm talking about. I mean, it's possible for them to have the best price at like any moment in time, but uh, any moment in time is like not very meaningful. You need to look at like averages across time. Um, for I mean, so the simple explanation is like, say someone does a huge trade on our platform. They buy a ton of Seoul then our pool is currently slightly imbalanced. It means we have tons of USDC, 
and not enough soul. So then who's offering the best uh, prices for buying soul? Well, it's not going to be us because we don't have enough soul already. So uh, we're looking to buy soul, not sell soul. So like in that kind of situation, we're not going to appear at the top of the pool. Um, yeah, I mean, in general, like the, the pool that appears at the top is um, dependent on various factors. One is that pool balance and another is like, what is the price of soul on a centralized exchange? So even if we didn't have a giant trade to imbalance our pools, if the price of soul on radium is a hundred bucks, but then it moves to $95 on a centralized exchange, well then we're gonna adjust our prices um, to 95 and radium is still at 100. So everyone looking to sell soul is gonna get a better price on radium. Um, so like, these things happen all the time. Like we're never going to be at, like we're never going to offer the best price, like all the time. It's just a statistical thing. It's like, we're going to, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. if, if your pool is very strong, then maybe different story, but yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, this, this will pull man. And then, so that's all man for now my questions but my questions before uh, whatever i ask you said like the next parts are going to answer my questions so <laughs> and then other than that that's cool man i'm i'm very i'm very happy to like see the little bit decrease the uh, nft's price low price so yeah. i can buy more <laughs> yeah more, more buybacks <laughs> Yeah, and the last week you you burned twenty three NFTs. So the questions for the NFTs uh, burn burn NFTs. They they never gonna come back to um, circulation. Yeah. Um. I mean, so none have been burnt yet. We've bought them back, and they're sitting in the treasury. And then the flare holders get to decide what to do with them. Ah. Okay. The technique because it's not burned. It's still in the vault. Yeah. Okay, so then I'm going to now uh, going to decide what what we want we want to do with that. Yeah, if you're not on our, are you on our Discord? I should be. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Let me check. Sir, what are you doing? Not on our Discord. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, man. Whatever you want to say. All right, but speaking of Discord, we have some questions over there, so I think I'm gonna move over to those. But yeah, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, no worries. Then yeah, I'm just I fill up my the limit of the Discord channel, so I need to leave. <laughs> yeah, I know the problem. <laughs> All right, oh, man. Alright, I'll talk to you later. So, yeah, man, thanks, man. Thanks for uh, answering my questions. I'll talk to you soon, bro. Yeah, thanks again. Alright. Uh, give me a second. Alright, so let's see. We have Madan with a ginormous question. So this is my understanding of part one through three so far. Is this correct? One, Lefinity holders won't receive any share of trading fees generated by the protocol. 
but 50% of the fees earned will go towards Lifinity buybacks. Okay, so this is uh, not correct, actually. So details in part four. Uh, part four is where we talk about our trading fees, our market making profit, and how we use our revenue. So the TLDR is that we give 50% to VE Lifinity holders. Oh, so actually, if that's what you meant, yes, Lifinity holders don't get anything. VE Lifinity holders do get stuff. Um, so if you lock your Lifinity for VE Lifinity, then you get access to protocol rewards. So 50% of the revenue goes um, straight to VE Lifinity holders. And the other 50% is used for buying back Lifinity. So basically, it all goes to holders in one way or another. Um, half we just um, hand over to VE Lifinity holders straight up. And the other 50%, we buy back Lifinity, which increases the price of the tokens that they locked. So yeah, everything goes to benefit VE Lifinity holders. All right, then part two. You say Lifinity holders can lock their tokens for seven days up to four years and receive VE Lifinity tokens. VE Lifinity holders get a share of fees from pools they voted for. Um, VE, yeah, so no. Um, the first part is correct. The second part, VE Lifinity holders get a share of fees from pools they voted for, no. So the pools you vote for, you're voting for emissions to go to that pool. And again, in part one, uh, we explained that the way we acquire protocol-owned liquidity is by selling um, L or no, by selling Lifinity tokens as VE Lifinity. So we're selling Lifinity, but we're locking it into VE Lifinity so that when you receive it, you get VE Lifinity. And we sell those in exchange for LP tokens. And so that's how we acquire the protocol-owned liquidity. Um, let's see, where was I? I forgot why I even mentioned that. Okay, so you're saying the eLifinity holders get a share of fees from pools they voted for, um, which they don't. So what you're voting for, oh yeah, that's right. So what you're voting for is those emissions. Which pools get the Lifinity to sell as VE Lifinity so that those pools can acquire protocol-owned liquidity? Now, why is that useful that you can vote for which pool it goes for? It's useful because, as we saw in part three, other protocols will be willing to bribe you to vote for their pool so that they can secure liquidity for their tokens. Um, so that's what, that's how you, you can have a source of passive income from the voting power, from the bribes. Um, so that's like the one thing. And then the other thing about VE Lifinity, I already mentioned this, but you also um, receive protocol rewards. 50% um, of the revenue just goes straight to your pocket. Okay, and then part three, LP tokens can be exchanged for VE Lifinity tokens. Yes, this is a permanent exchange, yes. This is the only way new Lifinity tokens are introduced into the circulating supply after the IDO. Uh, let me think, that, make sure that's true. 
So there also is the 1% of Lefinity tokens um, that's set aside for flare holders. So that will be distributed for a year. And then after that ends, yes, the only way new L or new Lefinity tokens enter the supply is by users buying VE Lefinity with LP tokens. Correct. And then four, not sure I fully understand the purpose of X Lefinity. All right, so yeah, let's talk about X Lefinity. So if you recall from part two, VE Lefinity is a special type of token. It's not an SPL token. So an SPL token is like the standard. Maybe you've heard of like ERC20 on Ethereum. It's like a token standard, right? Um, and so on Solana, we have SPL tokens. So like the tokens you see in your Phantom wallet, for example, they're probably all SPL tokens. And VE Lefinity is not an SPL token. The reason it's not an SPL token is because we need this special functionality where the amount of VE Lefinity you hold needs to decrease over time, or in other words, it needs to decay. So you might have 10 VE Lefinity today, but tomorrow you only have nine. Next day you only have eight. Um, so to enable that, you need a non-SPL token. So you need a, a, a special type of token. <clears throat> um, and this is like common among VE tokens. <clears throat> There's other ones on Solana and they work the same way. So, okay, you can't see VE Lefinity in your wallet. Um, you need to go to our website to see it. All right, so now we know that VE Lefinity is not transferable. Um, so then why X Lefinity? So you can convert between four-year locked VE Lefinity, which is the maximum amount of time you can lock your Lefinity tokens. Uh, you can exchange your four-year locked VE Lefinity for X Lefinity and vice versa. Um, X Lefinity is an SPL token. You can transfer it and it'll show up in your phantom wallet. Um, and it does not decay. Um, yeah. So why do we want X Lefinity? So there's a few reasons. Maybe I should go over the reasons I give in the article. Um, just so I don't miss any, I'm going to open it. Um, so the first reason is that Sometimes you want to transfer your VE Lefinity to a different wallet. And because VE Lefinity is not transferable, you can't do that. But if you can convert it to X Lefinity, then transfer it, and then convert it back to VE Lefinity, then you can transfer it. So that's one reason. Another one is that this enables people to exit their VE Lefinity position if they want to do so. So um i think there's pros and cons to this the <clears throat> pros is that basically your your positions are more liquid um so even though you've locked your tokens you're still able to exit it the cons is that um the locking isn't as meaningful because people can exit it but we think this is overwhelmingly in the favor um like the positives outweigh the negatives and so people may wonder, like, uh, like we, we set up this whole locking mechanism where 
you can't um, sell your Lefinity or transfer it or anything because you've locked it as VE Lefinity. So why are we now creating this mechanism where you can actually sell it? Well, actually, this isn't problematic because when you sell your X Lefinity, you're selling it for USDC. That's the pool we're going to create on Serum, an X Lefinity USDC pool. So what it doesn't do is it doesn't sell Lefinity. So when people exit their um, VE Lefinity position by converting it to X, Le X Lefinity and then selling it for USDC, this actually doesn't affect the price of Lefinity USDC um, because they never touch uh, Lefinity. They just go from X Lefinity to USDC. So it's basically just people with VE Lefinity or yeah, one person changing hands. It's like, now I own VE Lefinity, but I'm gonna sell it to you for USDC. Um, and the Lefinity that's in that VE Lefinity just stays locked. It doesn't get unlocked. Um, so like, it's not harmful for other VE Lefinity holders because it, it doesn't really allow them to exit early. Um, if you're able to exit early, that would mean you could unlock the Lefinity and then sell the Lefinity, which would um, create sell pressure on Lefinity. But we don't have that, so it's like safe, basically. Um, third reason is this opens the possibility for additional utility for VE Lefinity in the future. Um, because with X Lefinity, it's a fungible or yeah, it's a it's a SPL token. So it'll become interoperable with all the other DeFi protocols. Um, and you couldn't do that with VE Lefinity because you can't transfer it. And then finally, if we don't do this, other protocols will, and they will extract a fee in the process. This is what we've seen with Curve and Convex. <clears throat> Curve has VE CRV, um, but it does not have this function of being able to create a uh, transferable token um, for their maximum locked CRV tokens. And that's where Convex came in and be like, hey, give us your CRV. We'll lock it for the maximum amount of time. And then we'll give you a token um, that's like a receipt for your locked tokens. But they take like, last time I checked, I think it was 16, a 16% fee on all the revenue generated using the VE CRV, which is pretty huge. Um, so we want to avoid that. And we can do that just by um, creating this primitive ourselves and then just not charging a fee. So offering it as a free service. Um, I hope that was, <coughs> I hope that was uh, clear. If you have any more questions around the, uh, the Xlfinity, happy to answer them. All right. We have Cortez says the light bulb just went off and I now understand the tokenomics so far. Was confused, but this explanation cleared it up. Awesome. Um, not sure which part. Was it the Xlefinity <laughs> that had you caught up? Uh, okay. Cool. I'm glad. Um, yeah, a lot of moving parts in our tokenomics. So understandably, it does. Take a little time to understand. Being able to exit at any time is a godsend. <laughs> yeah, so the other thing about this is 
the only way you can exit is by locking for four years, right? So the like a side effect of this is that if people want to exit, they have to lock their tokens for the maximum amount of time. So in the end, this can contribute to more Lifinity tokens being locked, which is um, good for the Lifinity ecosystem. All right, Madan follows up, says, so Lifinity Treasury provides liquidity for X Lifinity USDC on Serum? Um, no, actually. So we mentioned this in the article that we're gonna create this market, but we're not gonna provide liquidity for it. The reason is <clears throat> like we want to create a way for people to be able to exit, but we're not like desperate to make sure that people are able to exit at a at a like awesome price. So it's totally up to users to provide this liquidity. So basically the way I see it playing out is that um, users who want more BE Lifinity can put limit orders on Serum, USDC limit orders. And then whenever there's somebody who wants to exit their four-year locked VE Lifinity position, they can convert it to X Lifinity and then they can market sell for USDC. Or they can also put a limit order, I guess. Um, let's see. I see. Yeah, so yeah, we don't plan on providing that liquidity um so it, yeah so one consequence of this is that it'll probably if you want to exit you're probably going to have to do so at a premium i don't know what size that premium will be i guess it's basically dependent on how much demand there is for ve lifinity <coughs> but yeah it's entirely dependent on the liquidity that other users provide. Um, yeah, there you have it. Let's see. Um, if anyone on Twitter has any questions, you can uh, request to speak. Happy to bring you on stage. Thanks for the questions, Madan. I see, uh, okay, Cortez asks, any collabs coming with Fabric? I suppose you're asking because you saw our tweet recently where, I mean, I guess that's a collab. Like, we're gonna have a like I, they do like gaming nights. And so like I'm joining them on one of them this Friday at a, I believe it's 10, well, that's my time. Uh, yeah, so on Friday, we're gonna have a interview or gaming night or something. I'm not 100% sure what it is. <laughs> I'm joining their like weekly event. So yeah, that'll be cool, Fabric is another project, a DeFi project with NFTs. And uh, yeah, their, their, their NFTs are actually integrated with their DeFi. 
they receive a part of their trading revenue, I believe. Um, details not fully determined yet, but yeah, so that'll be fun. Hope you guys can join. Um, but yeah, no plans for a collaboration beyond that. All right, well, we've gone through all the questions. Um, so I guess I'll wait a few more minutes. If anyone's got any last minute questions. And if not, I will peace out. Thanks, Smitten. Often lurking around. <laughs> Thanks, Pops. see Binox in the uh, the AMA stage have you guys noticed he has MMP at the end of his name <laughs> that's how you know this guy understands got MMP you guys know what MMP is don't you have you not read our most recent, or actually second to last, Medium article. Market making profit. <laughs> New concept. All right, well, it looks like there are no more questions. So yeah, thanks everyone for joining. Thanks for the good questions. Um, stay tuned for part four, where we cover um, revenue, our trading fees and our market making profit and how we use our revenue to reward VE Lafinity holders. Um, other than that, uh, let's see, was there anything coming up? Yeah, I mean, there's the our uh, joint appearance with uh, Fabric on Friday and uh, Pools opening soon, which is exciting. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. All right, guys, until next time, cheers. <laughs>